I have different elements, different products on this table up here that when interacted with one another, I don't know if everyone can see those, they make a powerful reaction. And so if you take Coca-Cola and you happen to be eating a banana at the same time, your mouth will explode, just to let you know. All right? Now you know that, so you can like set up one of your kids. Hey, have this banana and drink some Coca-Cola, right? And that. So if you take easy off on aluminum, because there's a reaction of the elements in there, the ingredients, that won't go well. If you go to YouTube and that, you can also take Coca-Cola and Mentos. Who likes Mentos? And you can take some Mentos and you pour it into, drop them into the Coke, and it explodes. It, like five feet in the air. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do that this morning and that. And then I thought, yeah, that could get messy. That could get messy up here. And I thought, well, I'll just get a big barrel and that. But then I was thinking, probably need a kiddie pool. And then I was thinking, you know what? The worship team wouldn't be very happy with all their stuff being full of coke and that. But if we add these together, there's this powerful reaction, powerful reaction, reaction, right? And what's so interesting is that there is an element of God that when added to the gospel creates this powerful reaction for our life. There's an element of God that when added to the gospel creates this powerful reaction for our life. And we are in this series called The Gospel. What is it? And I just want to remind you of the definition of the gospel that we looked at last week as we are going through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel is defined by the Apostle Paul as this. Chapter 15, verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. He's like, hey, this is number one, people, in life. In this life and for eternal life, this is it of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so he's reminding the church of Corinth, this is central to your faith that Christ died and was raised. And because he has done that, He has conquered all things. He is sovereign over all things. And he has conquered death so that you may have eternal life. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And if we go back to verse 1, Paul reminds them and he says, By this gospel, you are saved. So you want eternal life? Believe that Jesus came, he died, he was buried, he rose on the third day. And by that, we have the opportunity to be saved for eternal life. But when he talked about saved, it is not in the past tense, it's in the present tense, which means that every day we are being saved. Every day we are being transformed in our lives. 
Every day, God is at work in our lives, moving us more towards Jesus Christ and less to look like ourselves. Every day. And so Paul defines out the gospel and he says, this is of first importance. But then he goes on and he talks about the gospel dynamite. The gospel dynamite. The power of the gospel. Now, what is the main ingredient, the main element that makes dynamite so powerful? What is it? Nitroglycerin, right? But what is the element that makes the gospel so powerful? It's grace. It is grace that makes the gospel so powerful. It is the key element that produces this power in our lives. Paul goes on and he talks about, in verses 3 through 10, he says, after he talks about of first importance, Christ being buried, dying, and raising on the third day, he says that then... He appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and the last of all, he appeared to me also as one too abnormally born. But then he goes on and he describes that element of grace that brings this incredible power, this dynamite. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. It saved me. It transformed me. And so... He mentions himself to here and the power of the element of grace to save him. And if you think about grace, what Wendy talked about, this unmerited favor, it's nothing we can do but what God does for us, how powerful grace is in our lives. Because let's just look at Paul, and then earlier it said that when Jesus rose from the dead, he showed up before Peter. And let's just take these two guys as an example of the power of grace. So we have Paul here who says, listen, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. Why? Because he said, hey, I persecuted the church. If we go and we read in Acts 8.1, we read the story of when Stephen, a young man who was serving Jesus, was being persecuted. He ended up being taken outside of the town and stoned to death. And in Acts 8.1, it's stated that Saul, who is now Paul, was there at that event and giving his thumbs up to the stoning of Stephen, to the death. He's like, yeah, this is good. This is good. We read over in chapter 9 of Acts, verse 1, he says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, Christians, 
whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. That was Paul's life. That was Saul's previous life. He was out to try to murder Christians, take them, imprison them. I believe that if Paul was around, present, when Jesus was being crucified on the cross, he would have been shouting in the audience, oh, hey, I want to nail him into the cross. I want to take him down. Let me, let me, let me. He was that guy. He was that guy. And then we go over and we look at Peter. I mean, Peter is mentioned as when Jesus rises from the dead, he intentionally shows himself to Peter. You remember Peter's relationship with Jesus towards the end of the three years when Jesus is being spit on, whipped, slapped, brutalized, And Peter isn't that far away hearing what's going on when Jesus is dragged in. And Peter's warming himself by a fire as all this is going on with Jesus. And those around the fire start questioning him. Hey, aren't you one of his like followers? I mean, you have that accent. And he denies it. He says, I don't even know the man. A little later, another one says, boy, I think you were with him. Are you certain you're not one of his followers, his friends? I told you I don't know the man. And it talked about how he said on oath he didn't know the man. And they questioned him a third time. Certainly you're with him. You're one of them. I thought I saw you together. And it says he swore curses from heaven. I don't even know the man. I mean, what would this be like? This is what this would be like. This would literally be like me being married to my wife, Sherry, for three years. Being together 24-7 for three years, which Jesus and Peter were. And my wife and I are out at a party together, but not standing amongst one another, sort of separated. And someone comes up and says, hey, aren't you, Bill, aren't you married to Sherry? I don't know the woman. Seriously? I mean, I thought I, mean, I, thought I saw you guys. I'm telling you, I don't know the woman. And she's, right, she's like, what's going on? Like, You know, another person comes, well, sure, you're, I mean, I've, I've seen you at the school with her. She's a teacher. I saw you like, I'm telling you, by oath, I don't even know the woman. That's what it was. I mean, literally, that's what it was. And it said that Jesus, after the third, looked over at Peter. Eye contact. I can imagine the eye contact getting from my wife at that point. And it would have been like crushing, brutal. Like, seriously? After three years of marriage? After three years of putting up with, no, you know, like you won't even acknowledge me in public? 
as your wife? I mean, who comes back from that relationship, from that situation? Who comes back from Paul's situation? Where, hey, yeah, yeah, prior to this, I tried to kill you. (laughs) But hey, you know. (laughs) That is the dynamite of grace right there. Those two stories right there. The element of God, when added to the gospel, has this powerful reaction in its grace. And so we have love plus grace equals forgiveness. And it's amazing. It's so powerful. Bore, incredible. And it is for us. It is for us. Because here... The Apostle Paul defines the gospel. Hey, this is of first importance. Jesus came. He died. He was buried. He rose on the third day. Why? So that when the element of grace is added to God's love, we as a people can be forgiven. Even me, Paul, the least of the apostles. I shouldn't even be on the list. But it's only by grace. Then I'm saved. That's it. That's all I got. Boy, without that, he goes on. He says, we'd be dead. We got nothing. We got nothing. But he goes on and he shows then thirdly, the gospel demographic. The gospel demographic. And he reveals it by mentioning Peter And himself, Paul. What is the demographic of the gospel? It's for everybody and anybody, regardless of what you have done. Period. Of what you have done. Paul is writing his student Timothy over in 1 Timothy 13 and 14. And he says this of the demographic of the gospel. He says, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. You see that? There's the demographic. There it is. That's what grace is for. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Man, his grace poured out on me abundantly. It is by grace. And he says in 2 Timothy 1.9, he has saved us and called us to this holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and Grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. It was set apart. It was available for us. And so if you're sitting in the room today and you're thinking, man, I'm done. I don't got nothing. The reality is true. You got nothing. But God's got something. And it's grace for your situation, your life. And love plus grace equals his forgiveness. And it's available to all. 
That is the power of the gospel. That gets you excited, right? Amen to that. And so to give a picture of this, I want to share with you a life story from our new worship leader, Aaron, who honestly was very vulnerable in sharing what he's going to share. And he realizes that it is by grace that he is saved through faith, just like any one of us in the room. And I believe his story is our story. So let's watch. Hi, I'm Aaron Kuzner. I'm the new worship leader. Uh, my family and I are so excited to be uh, part of New Hope and excited to come along this journey with everybody. Um, just wanted to share a little bit about my story and kind of how I came to know the Lord. So I grew up going to church. Um, we would go with my mom, uh, going to church, and it wasn't really connecting with me. Like in, in high school, I, I kind of started to get involved with like some sexual immorality stuff, um, sex outside of marriage, and struggled with pornography. You know, I started sleeping around a lot, and kind of looking for love in all the wrong places, like just feeling like, you know, I don't have value unless somebody wants to be with me or, you know, I just, yeah, I was really just feeling like, like I really couldn't be loved and I, and I really couldn't come back from that. Like I was, no one was ever going to love me if they really knew what I had done. And I kind of hit like kind of a bottom point. And I remember I was in, I was in my car and I remember praying to God and and asking God to send me a wife and somebody that would put me on the right track. Flash forward, I did meet my wife and we found the Lord together. And it was, it was amazing because a friend of mine had invited us to a church and I discovered that it was supposed to be this real relationship with Jesus and it was nothing that I had done. I wasn't trying to be good. Um, it's just everything that Jesus has, has, has done for us. And that, that totally changed everything for me. It's flipped everything upside down in my life because I thought if, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can, he can raise anything from the dead. He can, he can raise dead marriages, uh, dead dreams, just anything he could redeem. And, you know, I, I was feeling like I couldn't be redeemed, but felt new life and purpose. Um, I just wanted to read from Luke 15, um, the story of the prodigal son. And it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have the feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. And that's really kind of how I felt coming back to God. Like I felt like I was running from God and God was just waiting for open arms, ready to welcome me home. And 
Yeah, and he, he, he wants to welcome you home. It doesn't matter your past or what you've done or anything, like anybody can be redeemed. Um, he just wants you to come home. There it is. There is a story of grace for each one of us. So I just want to close my portion before the worship team comes out and give you the opportunity. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, never received grace to cover your sin for this life and the next, then I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. If you know Jesus and maybe you've walked or you've done something and you think, man, I can't be redeemed, like Aaron said, you can because of grace. And so just bow with me and repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit I got nothing. I can't pay for my sin. But Lord, you extend to me grace because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And so Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. The payment for my sin. The reason grace can be applied to my life. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for salvation in you. In your holy name, amen. Hey, if you've prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, I encourage you to just write yes on your connection card and just put it in the giving box on the way out. Also on the way out, we have what's called a yes packet. Looks like this with a payday on it because Christ paid it all, right? It's payday today. And just some information to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And then also, if you've said yes for the very first time or you haven't been baptized, I invite you to my house at four o'clock and we'll get her done. It's going to be a great celebration. So God's blessing. Let's stand and worship him.